Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome back to our number two of episode 85 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we also say Happy Easter. Absolutely. I can't believe we forgot to say that in the first hour. We were talking about spring Right? We were even talking about this uh, this sale that AZ Firearms has going on. It's their first ever spring cleaning, spring clearance sale going on for an entire week starting today, which is Saturday, April 15th. You can find it online at azfirearms.com. What, what's or April can, 15th? What is that day? That, uh, there's something day. about that day that makes uh, uh, something hurt inside tax, me. What did you say? Tax day. Oh, they extended it, though. Yeah. How so? I think they extended it till Tuesday. Tuesday? Yes, or Tuesday, Ah. or Tuesday to some people. (laughs) Yes, but anyway, tax day. (sighs) Yeah, that's no good, but Easter, Easter, oh, it's a blessed day. It's uh, a beautiful day. Our granddaughter, uh, Raylan, she's two and a half, and this will be, I think, her first real Easter egg hunt, because we've been... We've been going to Disneyland for Easter the last couple of years. That's so weird for people who've been raised up Christian our whole life to be in Disneyland for for the last two Easters. But this year we're going to be home. We're going to cook and do the Easter egg hunt. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I hope everybody has a wonderful Easter. All right. To the show. We've got a great show in the works here. We Our theme today is Doers Do to Get Stuff Done. And our next our next guest is Chris Wagner. He's an ops lens contributor and U.S. Army veteran. He has been in law enforcement for the past 35 plus years. He specializes in law enforcement, firearms instruction, and he is in charge of a large police academy in North Florida. Welcome back to the show, Chris. Hey, Cheryl. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, you know, you write, I think, 10 articles a day. I've been counting them. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know, every time you post an article, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got to get Chris back on. And then, you know, the next article comes out and it's like, oh, I got to remember that one. Well, we could probably give you your own month of shows and and still not hit all of your articles. And the, the one that I have in my mind right now is you were talking about. Florida, right? That Florida right. has more concealed carry license holders than any other state, if I understood you correctly. And yet, Correct. and yet somehow, when it comes to voting for your rights, people are falling down on the job and taking naps or something. What's going on there? Well, you know, it's miserable. Being the state that has 1.8 million concealed carry holders, the largest in the nation, We are one of only five states left that doesn't allow open carry as part of your licensing 
uh, scheme, as you might want to call it, because since I don't believe in licenses. But, yeah, we, we are absolutely just falling down on the job. Our legislators this year started out like a whirlwind. They filed and submitted 19 pro-gun bills. Mm. And everything ranging from open carry to campus carry to bettering our stand-your-ground law, I mean, they just went the entire gamut. They started removing places that it was restricted, and then it died. I mean, it literally came to a screeching halt when one of our Republican legislators in the Senate, um, Antonin Flores, a female from southeast Florida out of the Miami-Dade area, stood up in committee, in the Justice Committee, and said basically to the bill's sponsor and our biggest gun rights advocate, um, Senator Greg Stubbe, she said, I'm not voting for any of your gun bills. I'm voting against them, and that's it. I'm done. Wow. And we all about dropped. We all about had a heart attack. Yeah, so what happened there? She, it, she literally changed sides at the drop of a hat. We have no idea. There are some speculation out there that she's going to try and run for. She's term limited in the Senate, so there's some speculation out there she's going to run for mayor of the city of Miami, Miami Dade, and run as a Democrat. So wow. we got yeah, we got messed with real big. We literally lost almost every single pro-rights bill that was out there, and it absolutely set a ripple through the gun community here in Florida. It was like, this is probably the third year or fourth year where we have had very little, if anything, get passed, and we're just tired of it. The, The entire gun population in Florida is tired of having our rights trampled on, and we've been talking about alternate means of trying to get our points across. Mm-hmm. Now, Texas Carry did the open carry thing. Mm-hmm. We're thinking of doing it down here. It's just we're so restricted because we don't even have long gun open carry in Florida mm. that we are, we're kind of limited in what we can do. So it's been a very disheartening year for us here. And we were looking so forward. We had a pro-Republican, pro-conservative uh, Senate, pro-conservative, pro-Republican House. We have a governor that's a Republican in the thing, and he said he'd sign any of the pro rights bills to come across and nothing made it through that is crazy and you know in the very beginning of today's show i was saying in my opener just because somebody has an r next to their name doesn't mean that a they're going to read your mind and do what you want them to do you've got to be interacting with your legislators but b this can happen this person completely is a turncoat for what she promised the voters that she would do. And we hired somebody to do X, and she is now doing A, right? Yeah, it is so true. And you know what makes it even worse is prior to her last election, she wrote to the NRA. She wrote a separate letter, not just their grading system where they look at your votes, but she actually wrote a letter to Marion Hammer, who is our um, lobbyist for the NRA in Florida, and begged her. I mean, if you read this letter, it's literally it's like she's begging her, please give me an A+. plus. Look at my history. I'm mm. so pro-Second Amendment. Wow. And then the same year, she turns around and turns her back on us. Well, if anybody gets confused about who they're going to not vote for... <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, then Chris, you exactly. definitely aren't paying attention. Chris, this is Dan. Welcome to the show. I'm confused. Hey, I heard you say something that just threw me off. Long, long gun, open carry, right? Like, you said, how, how does that work? Like, how do you not you, have? I, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think hey, if I want to take my guns and I want to go to the range shooting, I just throw them in my truck. But you, you can't do that in Florida, can you? Well, actually, you can. There are certain exceptions. They have a list of exceptions in our state statutes to carrying a long
long gun or a handgun in Florida. But our problem is, is that like many states, they have the long gun open carry exception where you may carry a long gun openly if you're just out and going hunting or going hiking or whatever. We have a very set, strict, limited amount of exceptions in our state statute where you are allowed to either open carry a pistol or open carry a long gun. We're literally in the same ballpark, and I gosh, it's going to kill me to say this. We're in the same ballpark as Chicago, California, New York. We're literally one of those five states left that don't have some form of either constitutional carry or even even a a concealed permit carry or open carry. We don't have any of that here. Wow. And you have And a we're supposedly pro... the gunshine state. Yeah, right? Gunshine <laughs> state. I like, I like that. that. So, Arizona may have to borrow that if you yeah. guys don't get on it, okay? I'm just you saying. Guys, you guys deserve it. You deserve it more than we do now. <laughs> we're, we're treated like adults here, and I thought they were in Florida, too, but obviously they're not. Well, when you got somebody oh. in there that's that's flipping midstream, I mean, how are you supposed to gain your momentum? And I think she probably designed it that way. Why don't you all chip oh, in and, and know, buy her an apartment in Florida, you know? Everybody give her some money and have her move to New York. Yeah, New York. That's, I'm sorry, New oh. York. You have no idea what we have suggested <laughs> to, to do with her. But, you know, the thing is, is that you, you were so sure. And our pro-gun senator, Senator Greg Subi, who's fantastic and he really does try. I mean, he busted out with all of these bills, you know, campus carry, open carry, airport, unrestricted carry, except for the sterile areas, which makes sense. And then some, uh, he did some other great things. And it literally all came to a grinding halt. And we're all left like, what are we to do now? Last year, we had another Republican from South Florida do the exact same thing to us. He killed the bills. He refused to let them be heard in his committee. And we were, we were stymied. We were like, one person in Florida can stop a bill from being heard. Now, we do have the opportunity to have the Senate or the House president or speaker pull a bill out of the committee and submit it to the floor for a direct vote. But here's another problem. Our speaker and our, our House president won't do that they will not do it and we've been sending them emails we've been calling them we've been telling them that's what we want but again we're we're up against the rock wow my goodness well everybody needs to stay focused on that even if you are not a floridian because what happens in one state happens everywhere and what happens in one state influences other states and you know if you if you I, and this lady didn't even give you any hints or, you know, clues that she was going to do this. And so if you've already got some some politicians and I say politicians specifically because they're not public servants when they do stuff like this. If you've got some politicians in your area that are already giving you clues that they're not really on our side and they see what this lady did that it just only emboldens them. Yeah, and she she even went out of her way to make herself appear pro gun by yes. sending these this email and letter to our you know NRA begging for their endorsement. Ugh. I mean, it's just it's so aggravating that people will be one way. They get elected, they get in there where they have a little bit of power, and they just absolutely double cross you. Chris, mm-hmm. maybe you could convince her that the weather and climate's a little better in Cuba. <laughs> you know, I, there's other places I'd like to send her, but it ain't Cuba. <laughs> 
<laughs> lying liars who lie, right? So Exactly. All right. Well, we've got to run, but Chris, thank you so much. We're definitely going to have you back on. We've got so many more of your articles to talk about. And in the meantime, please tell folks how they can reach out to you and they can keep uh, tabs on all of your articles. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I work and write for OpsLens.com. It's O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com. And we're a subsidiary of Fox. We post some things to Fox. And also at Chris Wagoner, and it's W-A-G-O-N-E-R. It's a wagon with an er, mm-hmm. .us. So either ChrisWagner.us or OpsLens.com. And we publish articles all the time, as you said. I love writing, but uh, my main topic is firearms and our rights to carry firearms. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Chris Wagoner of Opslins. Hey, thank you, Cheryl. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Okay, stick around because in studio sitting right here next to me is Miss Ashley Oblinsky, and she is the curator of the Cody Firearms Museum at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Of the things we're going to talk about is how the heck do you make a museum display that is of guns, and also politically correct. What? This is something we have to worry about? We're going to talk about this. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Thank you for hanging in there with us. You are with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. 
Well, our theme today is Doers Do to Get Stuff Done. And our next guest, Miss Ashley Oblinsky, is in studio with us. She is the Robert W. Woodruff Curator of the Cody Firearms Museum at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. She is the first female firearms curator at the most prestigious firearms museum in the United States and was recently awarded the equally prestigious in SSF POMA Grits Grisham Shooting Sports Communicator of the Year Award. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you for having me back on. Absolutely. I I put on Facebook that I was going to have you on again, and one of our our friends, uh, Rob Morse over there at the Polite Society podcast, writes, again? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I am greedy like that. Yes. I can talk. (laughs) It takes a few times to fully get everything. And you put the two of us together, and yeah, we've got hours and hours for sure. All right, so, you know, the doers do to get stuff done theme. Well, you are a doer. You know, you're helping to keep history alive. If we don't know our history, and if we let people revise and rewrite our history, then we have to sit back and watch our children and our grandchildren relearn these painful lessons over and over. And so as you are um, lecturing around the country, Right. And you are. And in Canada. And in Canada. Mm. Ooh, you're international. I know. I like that I can use that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And, uh, you know, you're curating. And you have to deal with, as I was saying in the lead, you have to deal with displaying guns in a politically correct manner. Like, what does it even mean? (laughs) Well, I don't really like that expression. (laughs) But um, uh, the reason why that term comes up a lot is because. I do a lecture. It's called Displaying the Politically Incorrect. And people can't see me, but I'm doing scare quotes when I say politically (laughs) incorrect. And it's demystifying the firearm as artifact. And I just did a lecture in San Francisco on it. And then I'm doing a lecture up in Montana on it. And that term comes from, in 2014, a Yahoo Travel article did just kind of like an online, like, uh, you know, they do like the galleries of the different things. Well, this one was the 10 most politically incorrect. I'm sorry, it was the 10... Most unpolitically correct, so I thought that was kind of an odd way to word that, mm-hmm. um, politically incorrect museums that might offend you. Mm. And on the list were, like, museums that had, you know, dioramic depictions of war crime. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was, like, a KKK museum. But then one of the top ones was the NRA Museum in Fairfax, Virginia. Wow. And I read that, and I thought, huh, it's kind of interesting. I wouldn't have ever, you know, thought about firearms in that manner and I thought that and when I say in my lecture is that you know you can laugh it off it's just an online article but it it puts into a deeper realization for that there are people that think that these are artifacts that are considered politically incorrect when they are something that is so essential to our history and so I kind of do that as a uh, as a lead-in whenever I'm doing my lecture to establish because I speak to all kinds of crowds. I speak to crowds that are, you know, gun collectors and industry people, but then I speak to people that have really no experience with firearms. And so I kind of start to problematize. That's a nice academic word there. Nice. We problematize. It's not even a real world. Academics totally make up words. Uh, I like <laughs> to problematize. Exactly. You know, this is what that master's degree, PhD, it's fine. <laughs> uh, so we like to, pro- I like to, oh, my headphones are falling off. Uh-oh. My tiny little head. Uh, I like to, I like to kind of put out there that there are people that believe that guns 
are this kind of innately bad thing. And because there are people that believe that, then the artifact tends to suffer in museums. And I've noticed a kind of a growing trend among some museums where you're seeing guns get vaulted, you're seeing guns, mm. uh, there's not a lot of museum staff that's also trained in firearms. And a lot of times it's just people don't understand how to you know, mm. talk about various narratives and that there is such a diverse history of firearms. And so there is an issue when we're trying to deal with guns in museums. And so I try to find a way to reach everyone so that we can start to have a, a better dialogue on how to adequately use firearms, to contextualize them, and let people know that you, what you hear in the media, what you hear today about guns, that is not the whole story. There's a much bigger story going on. Get the Winchester Fire, or at the Winchester Arms Museum, which is what we used to be called. I mean, most of those guns are sporting guns to begin with, and there's this rich cultural history of guns and sports shooting in the United States, and so I'm trying to kind of open people's minds up. Uh, so that's where that term comes from, but I'm not a huge fan of politically correct as my uh, employees may. <laughs> Seriously. Couch well, court. you know, and we aren't around here either. So, you know, it, it hinders people from being able to speak freely and to, to share ideas. And when you're talking about our history, you've got to have the freedom to tell the stories the way that they really happened and not have to worry about, you know, rewording things and cleaning it up so it's all super palatable and that sort of thing. Um, but history's messy. It is. It, life is messy, right? Well, and that's one of the things uh, in the Cody Firearms Museum that's so cool is that we reach, you know, our gun enthusiast audience, our gun collectors, our gun geeks like me, and then we also reach a huge international audience of people that are coming, they're on their way to Yellowstone, there's four other museums on site, and so they don't even think in their brains, I'm going to go to a firearms museum today, and these are the same people that probably wouldn't choose to make an individual journey to go to a firearms museum and they end up at the center because they want to see the art museum or the Plains Indian Museum and they wander into the firearms museum. And so we have a really unique opportunity to kind of bring those people in. It's the uh, preaching to the converted versus the unconverted kind of, you know, back and forth. And we have a, an opportunity to kind of teach them about how rich the history of firearms is and how, you know, they're used and all the stories that you can tell from guns. I think we talked about that last time. And so we have an opportunity to reach an audience that would otherwise probably never engage with firearms and so it's kind of a it's kind of a neat opportunity for us and it's it's a unique one as well oh absolutely and so you know when you were talking about how the nra made this list of unpolitically oh no no, no. the nra was on the list oh. yahoo yahoo <laughs> <laughs> the list. yeah there you go well uh well they they were on the list yes what was it just their very existence that was non-politically correct or was there some specific display that was being pinpointed like help they, us understand because for uh, for dan and i were like what are you even talking <laughs> about paint me a picture of what i can wrap my brain around so if i can remember the wording it was just a short little paragraph because it really was a you know photo gallery but uh i think it was like what could be heart more heartwarming than the nra's very own museum i think was the first sentence so it was the very existence of mm. the nra the very existence of the guns but then they also point out some things but one thing that i found really interesting that in that article and i see it appear a lot with people that don't necessarily like guns or don't understand guns is that they don't deny that firearms are historically significant or that they are important but there's always this qualifier so you they say something like you know the people who helped you know who use firearms to make America important but and then they always have a bad thing to say and there's a another quote that I put up in one of my articles where it's the former director of the Museum of Modern Art that essentially says you know firearms are the most beautifully designed artifacts throughout all of history 
but those who want to display them must be kind of separated from this concept of morality. And it's just this, it's, I mean, it's mind-blowing to people who know about guns, but it's this qualifier. So you can usually get people to say, you know, well, guns are really important, but, and there's, always and there's, a, there's but. a but. And so I'm trying to have people, I'm trying to expose that so that they yes. understand that they're doing it and then kind of explain to them why they're doing it, what might have caused them to think that, and then start to break down those barriers so you can really just understand the gun for, for the awesomeness that it is. I love that. You know, I actually wrote a blog uh, a little over a year ago called Don't Be a Butt About Your Gun Rights. That was directed towards me. I think, I yeah. think you can just, just say don't be a butt. That's just good life advice. It's, it's Right? Exactly. Yeah. And then when you do the play on words and it's like, you know, the minute you, you use the, the word butt like that, it completely negates the first part of what you just said. So, exactly. You know, oh, I, I believe in gun rights, but... I'm totally not lying, but I'm totally lying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So uh, that's that is really interesting. So you know when I'm listening to you talk about these displays that are offensive to people and unpolitically correct that that Yahoo talked about in their list, um, the Simon Wiesenthal Museum of Tolerance. You know, you go in there and you see um, depictions and displays of the the Holocaust. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but I it's have not. Very but I've been to the Holocaust Museum in D.C. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've been to that one as well. It's very moving. It's very touching. Um, but I'm wondering. So, at what point on this meter of intolerance that people have of of things that make us uncomfortable, you know, or is the Simon Wiesenthal going to hit that list, and people are going to be like, you know, this is just too painful to look at yeah. and to remember, so we have to get rid of it. When I think one of the things that's happened, at least with gun museums over the over the course of history, is that gun museums follow an art museum kind of formula. It's it's beautiful guns on the wall, and it's it's by the collector for the collector, which is awesome if you're a collector and you get guns. But if you don't understand guns, if there's that kind of there's a, almost like a lingo or a language or an in-group thought mm -hmm. that if you're not a part of that group, then you kind of walk in and you're like, well, this is really cool, but I don't really understand. I don't understand. And yeah. so what we're trying to do is find that balance in the new museum between, you know, displaying tons of guns, because that's always important, mm -hmm. you know, and, and having that kind of in-depth encyclopedic knowledge for the people that get it. And then also finding a way to reach out to that person that would come into maybe our current gallery and be like, or like, I always throw my mom under the bus. I think she's listening. Hey, mom. Uh, but, you <laughs> hi, know, mom. Hi, mom. But, you know, she, she walked into the museum the first time and she's not, you know, that we didn't grow up around guns or anything and she doesn't have any you know, you know, bad opinion about them, but she just doesn't know about them. Right. And she walked in and she was like, wow, you guys have a lot of guns. <laughs> we are a gun museum. But right? she didn't have that, you know, and that's what I see a lot is that there's not that larger takeaway of why exactly. they're important. Exactly. And so that's what we're trying to balance so that there isn't a concern of that dialogue because if we're not, you know, opening ourselves up to new people and new audiences and kind of bringing them in, you know, I always say that if the goal of going through the Cody Firearms Museum is not necessarily to come out and be like, I'm going to buy a gun and I'm going to shoot and I'm going to love it and everything about them is awesome. That's right. great if, that, you know, if yeah, that's part if that of it. Happens, hey, yeah. I love it. But my, my main goal is that you come out of there and you understand why guns are so important. You can take your opinions on your way, but then at least you're having a more informed decision about what you feel and how you feel and why you feel that and so hey I love it if everybody came out and said they wanted to you know learn how to shoot a gun and everything but I know that's not realistic and so as long as people can leave the museum and go oh I didn't realize that firearms you know really impacted industry in this way and I didn't realize that you know there's such a rich diverse female history with firearms you know that goes back hundreds of years I just want people to kind of think about it and understand that you may not like them but they're important and that's the 
important thing. <laughs> well, exactly. And and thank you, Mom, out there for letting us, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. <laughs> uh, kind of used you as our fall guy there for a minute. But no, it's so true that, you know, if you don't really understand, if you don't walk into the museum and come out with a new understanding, then that's really all you're left with is, huh, well, there's yeah. a lot of guns in there, but I, how does that impact me? Like, why do I care? And that's what you do is you help people, you know, care on some level. It's up to them which level they want to go to. Are they the ones that are going to come out and, and go, you know, yes, I want experiences for myself? Or are they just going to go, you know, that one time in history, that, that one gun, that thing that happened in history, surrounded? I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. I want to learn more about that. Well, and, and one of the things that's really kind of important to me, and I'm sure if anyone's been around me, especially after a whiskey, I start talking about <laughs> this. Um, what people don't realize are that is that the museum, a private museum, not a, if you're not federally or state funded, um, we are bound by the same gun laws that the citizen or the manufacturer. So we have an FFL and we have an SOT. And so, you know, we can have registered class threes. But what a lot of people don't realize is that if someone calls and they're like a Vietnam veteran and they've got an unregistered, you know, machine gun, I can't, there's nothing I can do. Mm. I can't take it. There's no, you know, way to contact the ATF and change things. Mm -hmm. So those things just get lost in history. Mm. And then the other side of that is the, after the machine gun ban in 1986, uh, the way that you can, you know, acquire those is through a law letter. Uh, if you're going to test it and demonstrate it. But the problem is, is that we're not going to, you know, demonstrate it, follow the exact, you know, letter of the law on that. And so technically, I, I have a Glock exhibit. I wanted a G18. I can't get one. There is no way for me as a museum entity to get one. And so one of the things that I'm concerned about, and I talk to, you know, all kinds of academics, to the gun industry, to the NRA, is that, you know, at some point, it may not seem like a big deal now, oh, you can't get a gun from 1986, you're a history museum. But if that law hasn't changed or there hasn't been a provision made for museums in 100 years, you've lost so much history. And so for me, it's not just about making people understand that guns are important. It's opening their eyes that, you know, we're bound by the same laws as everybody else. And I'm watching things that I would love to historically have. They're historically significant objects, but because of the way the laws work and because there's no you know, exception for museums, there's no exemption for museums, I can't do anything about it. And I hate, and I almost, it almost makes me so sad to think of these artifacts getting destroyed uh, because people aren't aware that museums don't have an amnesty. And there are great institutions like the Smithsonian and all the military-run museums that have state and federal money that can take those things as unregistered NFA items. However, at some point they have, you know, 50 SDG 44s that are unregistered. They can't leave site. They can't be loaned to me. And so they're going to hit a wall where they can't continue to accept things. And so I'm trying to kind of raise awareness for people to understand that museums want to preserve and save these artifacts for hundreds of years, but there's limitations on what we are able to collect when it comes to firearms. Wow. You know, it's the, the side of museums and that we don't even understand. Yeah. And so is there help that we can offer? Like, can we talk to our legislators? Can we, you know, what do you do about all that? Well, we've talked a little bit with Wyoming to see if there's any way that we can kind of go around it. But yeah, I think we need to create some kind of policy that puts in place. But the problem, it's so complicated. (laughs) It's so complicated because, you know, then how do you define a museum? Mm-hmm. Is it someone that abides by the American Alliance of Museums accreditation process? Well, that's 5% of all museums. We have that, but then that might put some other really solid, sound institutions. So first you have to dis- uh, decide what the museum definition would be and then start to talk about maybe adding it on to some kind of bill that's already going through. But we'd really like to see someone kind of take it on to start to 
kind of raise awareness. Because one thing that I've noticed is even my friends that are from the academic community that have nothing to do with guns that work in museums, a lot of times they even museum professionals don't even realize it. So like I'll be like, did you know this? And they're like, what? You know, they may not even like guns, but they're like, I would never want that to happen to an object. And so it's just getting kind of the awareness out there and then being able to define what a museum would be in that in that kind of procedure and then start to move forward um, with various either individual legislators with the state level or go federally. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, maybe it's something that we could get working on and get cranking on in the next, you know, couple of years. Well, we've got the best opportunity that yep. we've had in a really long time to have that happen right now. Hey, we got to run to break, but you're you're sticking with us, right? Yep, I'm not going anywhere. I was promised margaritas. <laughs> That's right. Margaritas later. All right. Well, stick around because we still have a lot more coming up with Ashley Oblinsky. She is the curator of the Cody Firearms Museum at the Buffalo Bill of the West Center. Did I say that right? <laughs> Something like that. Center of the West. <laughs> I'm already thinking about those margaritas. <laughs> All right, stick around. Hey, everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Pot of Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Pot of Gold auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at potofgoldestate.com. The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today. Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We're sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I'd like to add that I am still here. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, Just yeah. to let everyone know, oh, yeah, I Ashley. am here. My bad. And, and you're talking about some really cool stuff. And, you know, there's an urgent need to get uh, museums recognized to be able to get these pieces of art these these guns that are out there right now that we can't you can't obtain change the world mm -hmm. and they need to be on display yeah and, absolutely. and they're sitting in people's closets they can't do anything with them 
So they need it's, to change that. It's so true. Well, we are in studio with Ashley Ablinski. Ashley is the Robert W. Woodruff Curator at the Cody Firearms Museum at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. And, you know, before the break, we're, we're chatting away and we're talking about uh, you know, how on earth do you have to deal with politically correct issues as you're trying to display your guns and tell history? History's messy. Life's messy. And poor Dan, he is. You, you, have you ever seen somebody like try to cross a busy street? Like, OK, go now. Wait, no, no go. I, I he like up. leans to the microphone <laughs> and then he's like, oh, never mind, because Ashley and I are like nonstop words. <laughs> and it's great because you guys are giving good information. <laughs> you don't need my input because you're doing a great job. So go. <laughs> OK, go. So we off. Off uh, during the commercial break, uh, Ashley and I were talking. Wow, go figure. Margarita, they were talking oh, margaritas. <laughs> oh yeah, there was the margarita right, discussion. Uh, but we were talking about a symposium coming up that ties into all of this about you know, are there some laws that could be changed to help museums bring us more history and keep more history alive, and instead of seeing it being destroyed due to you know laws that just don't quite fit with a museum. Well, I'm really excited because the Cody Firearms Museum this year is sponsoring kind of like the first time this has ever happened, but we are bringing in firearms curators from all over the world, uh, from various institutions. So, of course, the NRA Museum, Jim Sapikavilshire mm -hmm. will be there. Um, we've got uh, representatives from gun museums, art museums that have gun collections, history museums. We've got the curator from the Royal Armories coming over from England. Wow. And so everyone at Colonial Williamsburg, I'm so excited about that one. Oh um, we've got all of these, like, leaders in the field of firearms history and museums coming together really for the first time ever uh, in Cody, July 17th and 18th. And the first day is open to the public oh, wow. and it's free. So you can come see the Cody Firearms Museum for free. Nice. Uh, and uh, they'll be talking, we'll all be talking all day. And uh, we'll, the, each museum will get to present on their collections, maybe some of the issues and limitations and you know possibilities uh, for having firearms in your collections. And then at lunchtime that first day, we're doing a Facebook Live uh, that's uh, moderated by the host of, to the best of our knowledge, on NPR. Um, she's coming in. She's wonderful. She's interviewed me before. And she's going to moderate a Facebook Live on remaining neutral with guns. So how do we navigate all of these perceptions and issues with guns in contemporary society that people bring all this baggage to the museum? How do we, you know, be the best stewards that we can for the guns, speak for the guns? And so that'll be all of us sitting up there kind of, you know, playing off each other and seeing what we can do. So then the second day, and if you're interested, uh, you can email my assistant curator, Danny Michael. Um, it's Danny M at centeroftheWest.org. Um, and you can sign up that day. And that is a workshop day. So all of us are going to get together and we're going to talk about various issues, concerns uh, about guns and museums from as simple as how to care for them, what's a good standard policy for caring for them, because we all have our own theories on it, and so we kind of want to get a consensus. But then we're also going to have um, the CEO of NSSF will be there, we'll have representatives from the NRA. We're hoping to have people from the ATF, politicians, and all of those people kind of come together in these individual workshops so that we can talk about things like firearms legislation, what can we do, how do we best educate other museums so that they they know so they don't accidentally accept something they can't have uh, and then have issues down the road. And so we're getting everyone together, you know, closing the doors and really getting down to the meat of the problem. And then what we'll do after that is uh, we are going to create a kind of consensus publication that addresses all these things that we talked about. I'm sure we'll Facebook Live some of it for people. But if you're interested, July 17th and 18th, first day is free. You get to hear pretty much every gun curator you could ever possibly want will speak at this day and the second day if you are interested you have you know some kind of 
you know, gun interest and you want to be involved and sit in the room while we're having these discussions, you can just contact my assistant curator, Danny Michael, Danny M at centerofthewest.org. Fantastic. I can't believe we're almost out of time already. So you are working on your own LLC, you were telling me. uh, Real quick, tell us about that. Okay, so I do a lot of side work. Um, I think we should talk about that. I actually just uh, got my first uh, opportunity producing. Um, So I was the on-site producer for Gun Stories out in Cody for the Outdoor Channel. And so I do all these different things where I consult for other museums to to kind of address some of the issues we've talked about, train them in gun safety. I'm a firearms instructor now. Um, I work with the industry about branding and history. I basically just do all these different things that I was getting paid for to do on the side. And I was like, I should probably make some kind of consulting business. And so I just got my LLC approved. It's the gun code. Um, and the gun code is essentially, you know, decodifying firearms in history, but, uh, and it, it's an umbrella for which my, my consulting business operates under. So I'm historian, consultant, and instructor. And so it's finally a way for me to, you know, help, add, uh, help more people in an in easier way. Uh, and so that just got uh, processed, and I will be, I've been doing the consulting for years. It's just now it has a cool name. It does. Um, and so uh, a- any institution that wants to contact me, I can help them out um, in my in my spare time. Yeah, right. And it's been really great. That? I've worked for so many museums over the past couple of years, in addition to working for Cody and really raising awareness for people uh, about how firearms operate, how they can function in museums, and how to make sure you navigate that crazy little legislation issue oh, uh, when it comes to firearms in your in your collection. So do you have a website for the gun code? Are you I, thinking about getting in that direction? Or I bought all my links, um, but I don't have a website just yet okay. because I honestly, I've got more jobs right now than I can, right. <laughs> than I can even process. But I will have a website um, probably in the next, by, by the summer, I'll have everything up and running. I just wanted to make sure I got everything approved before I went ahead and yeah. did everything and yeah. spent all that money. And then was like, oh no, I Whoops. can't have yeah. that name. So, <laughs> but uh, I've been consulting for years. So it's just kind of a way to focus that energy into one kind of enterprise. Fantastic. This has been awesome. And seriously, I don't know how the time goes so fast. We have so many more things we could talk about. We'll just have to have you back. I know. Well, we'll you know, have more margaritas. Anytime but. to make an excuse to come to Arizona, I'm in. I love it. All right. Ashley Blinsky, the Robert W. Woodruff curator at the Cody Firearms Museum at the Buffalo Bill Center of the West. Tell people how they can find you real quickly and we've got to run. Or you can check us out on Facebook. We're Cody Firearms Museum on Facebook. And we also have an Instagram page, Cody Firearms Museum, and a Twitter, at Cody Firearms. If you want to check out me, just look up my name. It's super complicated to spell. (laughs) But if you get anywhere close to Ashley and Cody, you'll figure it out. And all of my uh, social media, my Facebook, my Twitter, and my Instagram is all public. That is fantastic. And you can always go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the guest tab, and... Ashley has her own guest page with links to all of those things. So that's a little easier to spell maybe than Blinsky. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary. Um. Stick around. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? 
Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldstate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Thank you for hanging in there with us on this beautiful Saturday afternoon in April or whenever you're listening to us because... The wonderful thing about the digital world that we're living in is that you can listen to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform live every week. Or you can go to our webpage, where we archive every one of our shows at gunfreedomradio.com. You click the On Demand tab. And all of our episodes are there waiting for you to binge listen to your heart's content. And you can also put a face with a voice of each of our guests. If you click on the guest tab, you'll be able to learn a little bit more. There's a bio on every one of our guests and links to articles they've written, uh, articles that have been written about them, if they've written a book, you know, any kind of information like that. Links to their Facebook pages and and all of that. It's a great resource. Spend some time just kind of surfing around and enjoying it. Well, this is the time of the show that uh, we get a chance to kind of talk to you more about something that happens every day. It's responsible gun use. It's defensive gun use. And you just never hear these stories on the the big uh, networks, the big boys in the business, right? But responsibly armed citizens use guns two and a half million times a year for self-defense and 200,000 times a year a woman prevents a sexual assault because she was armed. Somehow we don't hear these stories on network news, so we are proud to bring them to you here on Gun Freedom Radio. Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. Well, today's story... You know, when danger knocks on your door, with the bottom of his boot, he isn't there for a social visit. And when danger's hands are covered with gloves and carrying a rope, he's planning to stick around a while because a rope is for tying up victims. And the mask on his face is to hide his identity just in case you survive. To tell of whatever horrors he had in mind for you, for your spouse, and for your two small children. We can only shudder to imagine what danger had in mind for this young family had they not been prepared and responsibly armed citizens who worked together as a team 
and been doers who literally stopped danger in his tracks. Monk's Corner, homeowner's fatal shooting of burglar, necessary to protect family by Andrew Knapp. March 15, 2017, updated March 15, 2017. A Monk's Corner resident fatally shot a masked man who broke into his family's home carrying rope and a pistol with a laser sight, authorities said the next day. The homicide of 30-year-old Elijah Akeem White Jr. of North Charleston was deemed justifiable and the homeowner is not expected to face charges. Investigators said a woman who acted as an accomplice in the home invasion by White was arrested. Juanita Marie English, 28, of Logwood Drive in Ladson, faces charges of first-degree burglary and criminal conspiracy. Chief Rick Olick of the Monk's Corner Police Department said the rope found on White was a chilling sign of the burglar's intentions. A man, his wife, and two small children were at home at the time, Olick said. It's believed that he was going to tie up the residents, Olick said Wednesday, There was no doubt he was there to do some serious harm to this family. The ordeal unfolded after 8 p.m. on Post Oak Court in the Oakley Point subdivision. English first walked up to the home's front door posing as an official home from, as an official from the homeowners association. She wore a name badge as she asked generic questions of the woman who lived there, the chief said. She then waved to White in a waiting car. White came up with gloves on his hands and a mask covering his face. In his hand was a gun with a green laser attached. Seeing a masked gunman approach was terrifying. Olick said she was able to shut and lock the door. It got chaotic. She screamed for her husband. White kicked in the door, but 28-year-old Justin Washington, the homeowner on the other side, also was armed and shot White four times, Berkeley County Coroner Bill Salisbury said. In In Berkeley County, Salisbury said, if you kick someone's door in and you get shot, as long as I'm coroner, that will be justifiable homicide. Prosecutors agreed with the police department's decision not to charge the shooter, Justin Washington, 28, with any crimes. Wow. Well, I mean, just think about that. If these people hadn't have been responsibly armed citizens, Dan, is there time to grab the phone and dial 911, explain what your emergency is, I don't, uh, I don't give know your how, address? I don't know how anti-gun people could could fight this argument because you could not have dialed 911. You couldn't have run out the back door. What could you have done? Well, and that is the question. And that's, we'll just kind of let that linger because this is why we say you have got to pay attention. You've got to be a doer. You've got to know what the laws are. You've got to fight for your constitutional rights because if somebody off somewhere else decides for you that you don't need a firearm because you can just call the police. They're deciding for you that danger gets the upper hand. Right. So. Wow. All right. So we also have Dan's commentary. Tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. North Carolina high school students could receive firearms education. What? Did I? I didn't didn't read that right. (laughs) I know. Let's pick ourselves up off the floor for a second here. 
House Bill 612 filed by Representative Jay Adams would allow the state to develop a firearms education class. This has to be for uh, April Fool's Day, right? <laughs> it's not. It's Easter. And that's right. They filed a bill that would allow the state to develop a firearms education class. It's going to be controlled by the North Carolina Board of Education, no live ammo, and would cover the history, the mechanics, and gun safety. What a great program. It I mean, is. How, how would anybody disagree? Well, read on. Because oh, <laughs> in your article, I believe there are people who disagree. I don't even know if I should say the name of the person because... That's not important. Just the comment. The comments. I don't even see the point in that. I don't think they should. There's enough violence going on without doing that. Now, I read this thing. I didn't see anything about teaching violence in this class. Did you, Cheryl? Did you see anything that says, we're going to teach people to be violent with these firearms? No, sir. Did not. I thought I saw it said something about the history Mm -hmm. The mechanics and the gun safety. Mm -hmm. Real safety. This is not the safety of keeping guns away from people, but safety as of if you have a gun, how to safely handle it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Another report. I think high schools is a little early. Mm. A little early. What now? So do we wait to teach kids how to use a knife for dinner after they're out of high school because it's safer that way? Or do we teach them as soon as they're curious and they're able to reach the knife drawer? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some of these kids are not ready for that type of environment. To be exposed to something like that, I don't feel like they're mature enough. High school kids are not mature enough to learn firearm safety. <laughs> and so this is the mindset of, of people that, I just They just don't even want to invest themselves in learning enough about this tool to understand how really foolish their comments are. Uh, you go ahead, Dan. Well, all I can I, say I'm is a that, little flabbergasted. You know, I was talking about it with James this morning, and, you know, it's, it's like if we don't teach people safety, how are they going to be safe? And when is it too early to te- too too late or too early whatever mm-hmm. you know as soon as a kid is aware and curious mm-hmm. anything that could danger that kid in this in the future should be taught how to handle those items so me and james brown says now so he agreed with you he he totally agrees with <laughs> me that you know everybody should be taught firearm safety because you know there's a good chance Everyone is going to come in contact with a gun at one time in their life. Right. Even if you, you don't have them in your own home. Right. You know, like you There's go to a, a friend's home. or You could go, you know, be you walking out in the one. desert yeah. and find one. There is a chance. So if they're taught how to safely handle that gun, wouldn't that say that we probably wouldn't have near as many accidents? Yeah. I agree with you. And we've got to close out. But but when you say you could find a gun out in the desert, one of my favorite stories is the one you tell oh. of the day that you found Okay, I was out, I was out uh, camping in Superstition Mountains one time, and I was just having a good old time, and I had my little 22 pistol up my side, and I'm walking up through the canyons, and I'm going down this wash, and I walked maybe five or six miles, believe it or not, I did that back then, and I, you know, starting to, the day was changing, so I thought, well, I better start headed back, 
So I'm headed back, and I'm kind of going the same way I came. And in the center of the wash, I saw this really cool gun. And I'm, wow, I found it. It was mine. <laughs> I mean, had you had safety classes so that you know how to handle the gun that you found in the desert that belongs to you? <laughs> no, that's not the story. He, he walked five or six miles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> But That's anyway, good. that was you know, perfect, Blade. Yes. So I was not instructed on how to properly holster my <laughs> firearm. At clearly, the time, but anyway. clearly. But I did find this gun out in the middle of the desert. It was cool. Uh, it so. was extra cool because it actually belonged to you. So. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, not too long ago, they found a, a Winchester rifle in Nevada uh-huh. by a tree that had been there since the 1800s, mm. 1900s, two days ago. A week. Oh, I'm not on. I said probably like 30 years ago. 30 we years had that ago. gun at the museum for a while. Okay, 30 years ago. Hey, you know, <laughs> it, it's fake news, okay? I, 100 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there, but that's still cool. So I it mean, was a really old gun, but it was found 30 years ago, not last week, right? Yeah. Okay, very, <laughs> very cool. All right, and that voice was Ashley Oblinsky. Well, somewhere the out there, somewhere out there is a gun museum. that's been out for 100 years. Yes. It yes, hadn't yes, been found yes. yet. Okay. We've lost control. I got to wrap up. That clock is ticking on me. Okay. Margarita time. All right. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, to our guests, to Blade the Newsman in studio here, keeping me on time and on track. And uh, that that right there is a job in itself. And uh, until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. I'm not going to say all of them this time because um, it's Easter. So let's pray for all of our leaders. I like that. Everybody gets prayed today. I like that. Even the ones you don't like, especially the ones you don't like. Even that one. Even the one in Florida right now. (laughs) Even that one I'm going to pray for. That one. That that maybe she'll like Cuba. Ay, ay, ay. That'd be good. (laughs) Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless. Our founding fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advance beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since. Evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children 